Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait! Everybody, calm down. Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL Podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Super Bowl 51 is here. Get excited. Our Super Bowl 51 preview podcast. I am Josh Wyatt. I'm joined by my buddy Josh Woot. What's going on, man? Um, my <laughs> blood pressure is rising. I'm a little bit nervous because we have a huge Lunar Bowl uh, it's gonna be tight, yo. Party celebration. It's gonna be tight. It's gonna be tight, tight, tight. tight. We've been, we have been preparing for a long time. It is all organised. It's all ready to go. We yeah. know what we're gonna say because it's all scripted. Yeah. Joking, no, joking. We don't know what's happening. Uh, no we, bits planned at all. Actually, like honestly, like we have le- not legitimately. We're just totally winging. We, we, but, we've prepared the logistics, just not what we're going to be actually doing on the day. Yeah, we don't even know what we're wearing. I mean, we're, this we're, is what we're talking. We're like, can we wear thongs to this? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, and we're recording this at one thirty a.m. Like we have your cousin's engagement party in like six hours which um you know, the I, notorious weeksy who I, we have mentioned on this podcast uh, uh, somehow is arranging an engagement party at 9 30 a.m on a saturday which you know we could do a whole podcast on what's wrong with that but uh i love you man and i look forward to it but you know give me some sleeping please it's saturday mate he's he's an outside the box thinker um he is. and i love him for it so that's yeah that's uh Speaking Congratulations, of Lexi. speaking of engagement parties and whatnot, uh, here you have some news. Yeah, um, there's a new GM <laughs> for the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts. All right, Woot, Mate, it's fantastic news. Times. It is, it really is. Uh, but you know, uh, congrats about that. Congrats, by the way. I uh, I uh, loved seeing the announcement uh, this week. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pagano extension. Um, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> How many can I keep going with? No, please um, stop. It, it, it's <laughs> like watching, you know, the sheet come up over a horse after the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I asked my girlfriend if she wanted to, you know, I, I liked hitched. what I saw. I put a ring on it. Um, that's essentially how it I went. And then, so, yeah, I made a, a Beyonce kind of announcement. Then Beyonce made her <laughs> announcement about her twins. Uh, yeah, well, it was kind of like, cute. It was kind of funny that Beyonce would copy your announcement. Like, I, f- I found it strange that you'd go with a pregnancy vibe with the old engagement, but uh, you know, Mate, it worked. It was. It was. It, it, I know they all kind of overlapped at the same time. It was really weird. It was, yeah. I mean, there was a write up in Women's Weekly about me. And my girlfriend. I mean, and, it was all just it all got a bit confusing. You know, we, you know, we're we're, we're uh, best friends, great friends. But mate, uh, can I just say, we, all right, so we did not talk you... about any of this together, and we somehow got engaged within a month of each other. And Weeksy, so my yeah. cousin, you, me, wow, tomorrow's going to be interesting. Yeah, just girls going. Oh. It's it's insane, and we'll uh... probably. Be, 
Most likely, ninety percent of the dating talking about. By the way, do you still okay. say girlfriend? Because I do. Like the word fiance doesn't says it doesn't resonate with me yet. All right, all right. Girlfriend doesn't listen. Oh, that's hilarious! I just said girlfriend. All right, well, so go. the other half doesn't listen. The old ball of Joe. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no. So you know, for the for the next uh, however many hours after we got engaged, I was saying. Uh, fiance, you know, because oh, well. nice. you, you you abuse it, you abuse it. You do, you, and you, now, you now I, compl- I freaking hate it. Yeah, and it's... I wanted to die in a fire with <laughs> fire ants. By like, the way, just completely it's... kill it. But I now I'm I've I've slowly started to change it, and it's I've I've been pronouncing it differently, and now it's just gotten to the fonts. It is. That's it was like fonce. Fonts, and the now fonts. I'm calling it the fonts. The now fonts. I'm just going, hey. Hey. Exactly. It's amazing. Hey. Good times. Um, I'm kind of glad that we're uh, getting married to girls that don't listen to the pod, because I feel like we'd be single men if they listened to the pod. Um, oh, this is this is our place to <laughs> vent. This is, this is our couch. Um, Sigmund Bloom does the uh, the couch for football guys, but, uh, you know, maybe we should have a, like a bit of, maybe the recliners down here for us to just, uh, you know, first five minutes of every pod, we just... Let it out. So, you know, you got engaged. Yeah, if only we had somewhere to escape to, like really far away, next to Canada. Um, <laughs> Not allowed in. Like, like all like, the way up there. <laughs> where were you the day that Trump declared war on Australia? Um, Dang. Yeah, tough time to be a punter, uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, so, you know, big week for both of us. You know, you got engaged, but really, like, the, the, the big stuff is I got a new GM, and I, I'm in love with our new GM. I love Chris Ballard. Um, but we're not going to talk about news. We're not going to talk about Larry Fitzgerald coming back or, uh, you know, the uh, Mexico game next year between the Pats or the Raiders. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl preview. But before What about Pat McAfee? Retiring in the best retirement video ever. Um, the Barstool Sports uh, press conference, Greg Olson. Do you feel like do you feel he still had plenty left in the tank? Yeah, man, he's 29. I, look, if I was betting, man, I feel like he will punt another football in the NFL. Like, he, he could come back at, like, 32 and still be great. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, punting's not something you can just, like, you decline. Like, you're not, you'll It was fun. very surprising. It was a very surprising... I'm still uh, sceptical it might be a giant bit, and the Colts are still in on it, but we'll wait and see. But he, he wrote a really long and heartfelt sort of letter to Colts fans, which makes me think maybe it's, maybe it's not. But any press conference that says, Ian Rappaport... Um, and it is really funny, and I love that Ian Rappaport got involved in that and actually took the heat in that thing. It was really, really funny. So that was cool. But all the focus is nice. on our uh, Super Bowl preview. We're going to get to that. But before we do that, uh, we need to mention the Lunar Bowl. You, you said it before. It's officially sold out. We had 20 separate inquiries today after it was announced it was sold out. Uh, something about things being exclusive that people will suddenly get interested in. So, uh, you know, that's fine. If you want to go to Marquee, you can across town and watch it in a... Crappy nightclub, I know, but Andre Johnson's going to be there apparently. So uh, you know, give that a go. But I know, so, yeah, if you I, squint and you might see him. Tilt your head, you might see him over yeah. someone's shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, uh, the Lunar Bowl is where I want to be watching the Super Bowl in Sydney. And if you are attending, use the hashtag #CauseLunarBowl for all your social media posts. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. I'm. Uh, By the way, know, those that are going, Cause is going out hard, man. Uh, Billy sent me a text of like all the beer and all the cause stuff. I'm I'm pumped. I love cause. Oh, the, um, the head the, of cause is going to be there. The, the head of cause, David cause, Sorry, is going to be there. Not the Australian. The head of cause yeah. America and is the, coming to Australia and the band the Super Bowl and the band the cause as well. One of the great <laughs> great bands that use violin, like probably the best all time. Uh, are they still around? <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm looking them up. The cause getting some love in our uh, Super Bowl 51 preview. Still together, the cause. Andrea, Caroline, Jim, and Sharon all together still. What about the doors? No, they're they're definitely done. They're definitely yeah. so the cause actually got back together in 2015. No better time to just buy shares in anything cause related right now in early 2017. But uh, yeah, let's get to our uh, Super Bowl preview. It's showtime. All right, let's start with Vegas. You always got to start with Vegas. All right, New England dollar sixty-two favorites. Atlanta Falcons two dollars thirty-five. The spread, the beloved spread. New England minus three at a dollar ninety-five. Atlanta plus three at a dollar eighty-seven. That's the uh, that's the lines for this game, and those odds are courtesy of William Hill Australia. Please gamble responsibly. The total game score set at fifty-eight and a half, uh, and you can get on that a dollar ninety-one each way. And if you're looking at the game totals, you've got to look at the team totals. New England, 30.5 over-under set at $1.87. Atlanta, 27.5 over-under at $1.87. Uh, it was at 1.59 points, uh, which was huge. But even at 58.5, it's still the largest over-under ever for a Super Bowl, eclipsing the Colts-Saints Super Bowl in 2009. Please do not bring that up. Again, Josh, I'm talking to myself. You were in Vanuatu, weren't you? And you came back. I know, and, and I was in Vanuatu this year too. So interesting uh, that this keeps being brought up. It's a very similar vibe to the game in terms of two high-powered offenses, not very great defenses, uh, or at least one very bad defense in this game. But uh, we'll wait and see. All right, before we get into any summary, DVOA playoff odds report give New England a 58.6% chance to win this game. Atlanta, 41 0.4%. So that's all you need to know about uh, the Vegas and uh, percentage of winning chance from uh, the experts uh, over in the uh, the city in the desert, the great city in the desert. What are your initial thoughts on this uh, Super Bowl 51 blockbuster? Well, to begin, I think we're both thinking very uh, along, along similar lines here. I think we both uh, see it as it will be a high-scoring game. We both see it as being a high-scoring game. But then again, we can see it going every single way. It could, it, this game could literally go any way. We don't, we don't really know what to expect too much out of Atlanta against this team because we never know what Belichick's got up his sleeve. Yeah. And we don't know how Kyle Shanahan's going to handle such a big occasion. And we've, we've like, there has been instances in the past where Shanahan has gone up against Belichick, but it's never been obviously in um, a Super Bowl or any game of this magnitude. Mm. And it's a place that Belichick has been and won in time and time again. But yeah. I think, you know, the the history um, says that New England games are very, very tight and the, the biggest margin of victory or loss has always been it has been four, and every other game has been three. So everything screams close, high-scoring game, which would be great. But then yep. it still wouldn't surprise me for this to be the first game New England um, beats the opposition by 10, yep. or they get beaten by 10, because this Atlanta offense is so prolific. So it is. it's going to be great. I do, I do like exactly where the total is at. Yeah, I think they've nailed that total, uh, as opposed to being about 40 points off in the Pro Bowl total last week. Uh, one of the great blockbuster games of our, you know, of our day and age. Uh, 
Was that played? Actually, it was the, the fourth quarter of that in the Kirk Cousins rundown where he stripped sack someone. He did not want to be pick six. Probably more exciting than like two thirds of the playoff games that we've seen so far this uh, season. But anyway, uh, you mentioned Bill Belichick, like what he has up his sleeve. It sounds insane to say that the greatest coach of all time is a wild card in this game, but he really is. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him, especially when you get two weeks to prepare. Like, he can just cook up a storm. It's, you know, he, with two weeks, is more exciting than that uh, salt chef guy that, you know, um, I love that guy. I don't even know what his name. He cooked Leo a steak the other day, Leo DiCaprio. I don't know if you saw that, (laughs) but sensational. Uh, but I just feel like he's an absolute wild card in this game because you just don't know what he what approach he's going to take in stopping this Atlanta defense uh, offense. And then you're right about like the Falcons could just get to like an early lead in this game because they are so prolific on offense and just go away with it because that's what they do is they steamroll. Is we don't really know like we really well and truly don't know how good this New England defense is like. They're the number one scoring defense, and history says that the number one scoring defense always beats the, the better offense in Super Bowls. And, you know, that was sort of stamped on it when we saw Seattle just thump the, one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen in the Denver Broncos. But if you look at, like, who the Patriots' defense have faced, it's been a cakewalk of a schedule. They've played one game against a top-10 quarterback this season, and they lost to them in Russell Wilson at home after a bye. So they had two weeks to prepare for that one and lost. When on the other side of the ball, Atlanta have played seven top ten quarterbacks this year, and they're six and one, and their only loss was against Russell Wilson, coincidentally. So Russell Wilson's beaten the uh, <laughs> eventual Super Bowl champion. Um, he seems to be the elixir here, but uh, it, it, I, I just find that is a real like that's the general unknown is how good this Patriots defense really is. We know it's much better than the Atlanta defense, though. That's what we do know, but we we just yeah, my initial thoughts is I is it, well, I hate saying this, but the range of outcomes is is pretty crazy. I am very interested to see how um, how like the early stages of whether or not you said that Atlanta could you know they could get out to an early. Do you lead. think they uh, elect to receive if they win the toss? To be honest, I I think the Falcons will start with the ball. I I really do like Belichick um, Belichick to defer generally but like in a dome I don't know in a dome slightly I don't know I mm. usually Belichick just defers it's yeah. just I don't want to give him the ball let's see if we can stifle him but this kind of has a completely different feel to it they're in a dome and I mean Falcons always play in a dome and um, uh, yeah and I think if the Patriots can score first and then already have the Falcons on the back foot and have to give them the pressure that they actually have to, you know, continue what they've been doing and score on their first drive over and over and over again. I don't know. I, I, I feel like they might elect to, sorry, I feel like the Patriots might elect to actually um, bum with it this time. Yeah. I, I, the, the Falcons will definitely, definitely take the ball first. Yeah, I feel like you're right. The early stages of this game will, will tell us a lot, but there's no one better at making adjustments at halftime than Bill Belichick. So, like, even like if the Patriots get ahead by, like, 14 points, I can't see Atlanta coming back. But I can see if the Falcons get a 14-point lead, I can definitely see them coming back. So I feel like you can sort of close the range of outcomes 
a little bit more because if the first quarter's close and the second quarter's sort of close, then we, we'll see a we will see a close game and no one really running away with it too much. But if the Falcons do happen to score on their first drive and maybe get a, a freak turnover or something and get up to this early lead, then they might be able to run away with it. And likewise, um, you know Brady's going to put up points against this Atlanta defense, and you know we could see them force a turnover and, and actually shut down this. Uh, this offense and and then they can run away with it. But I feel like one of the the major talking points is this Atlanta offense and uh, up against New England's defense. We'll start with that and then we'll we'll flip it over. But stopping Julio Jones is is one of the the biggest talking points of this game. And we'll get into the quarterbacks in a minute. But um, we we sort of talked off air a little bit and we thought let's stop and actually record this because what we're saying is very very good stuff. I think we're on the same page on the approach that we will see in in Belichick trying to shut down Julio Jones. Yeah, I think we're. I think most people would think put two or three, um, you know, defensive backs or you know a combination of defensive players on Julio and just try to shut him down. But you were throwing out the stat before that. What there? It's been six games where yeah, Julio has been under. I'll give you the uh, yeah. They're six and zero when Julio's had less than forty yards, and that's including the two games he missed as well. So he had zero yards and didn't play. So it's a little bit misleading. But that but when he's had less than forty yards, the Falcons are actually six and zero, and their record actually the more yards he's had, the more losses they've had. Um, I think it was like under seventy yards. It's like five uh, seven and five or something like that, and then it, it ends up being a little bit. It progressively gets different. So shutting down Julio actually kind of somehow makes them more potent because it just because he garners that attention, it opens up the field for so many other weapons for them. And it's not that the weapons are amazing. You know, Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel are just you know they're just other guys, and they're no better than your Chris Hogan's and and things like maybe Sanu a little bit more, but. It, they, they're just versatile, and they can be used in so many ways. Austin Hooper can be put out out wide. Tevin, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman can be put in the slot and things like that, that it makes that offense so potent. So it's while putting attention on Julio Jones is important, you can't just focus on him solely because Matt Ryan can, you know, he's scored more touchdowns, thrown more touchdowns to more receivers than anyone. It's an NFL record of 13 targets. He will deliver the ball wherever he can. Yeah, and I feel that... So like we were talking that we kind of think that they might put a combination of someone like Eric Rowe and safety help, say Patrick Chung or McCordy. Think more and McCourty. kinda Yeah, McCordy. But I feel like they're going to try to rough him up a little bit or just try to make him uncomfortable or, you know, just not his usual self. I know he's a professional and he's a, a freak athlete. But I lab. think, you know, <laughs> they're, just, they're just going to try to really – put him off his game and I feel that if they if they attack him that way and they put uh, Logan Ryan and uh, Malcolm Butler in a combination of um, covering the slot and covering someone like um, Gabriel or Sanu I think I think they'll find success that way I think they um, the Falcons uh, will be fine. You know, the, I think the Patriots will be fine allowing Julio or whatever to gain that yardage in the middle of the field because Atlanta has been poor in the red zone. That's where they've, they've been struggling, and the Patriots' defense is terrific in the red zone. Mm. And I feel I feel like they they they'll be welcoming of that, not welcoming, but they'll be 
more willing to allow those those gains in the middle of the park to mm. then stifle them in the red zone. I feel so like it, they're it, happy to allow a three point because they know that they can get seven. Yeah, ex- exactly. So it'll be it'll be really it, it'll be really interesting early on, just especially to see the game plan whether or not they go run heavy. Yep. And if they go run heavy and find success, then it will be a little bit more difficult because they're mm. going to have to pull someone like Chung off Julio. Yep, much more interesting if they if they get to a fill lot. the box. Yeah, because Atlanta finished the year first in play action percentage and and, and second in effectiveness. You know, ten point four yards per play uh, per play action attempt. Really, so if they if they can really get the run game going and and play action, they're getting a first down every time they run play action, which is just crazy. But you're right. I, I feel like I feel like they like their chances against Eric Rowe because Devin McCourty is so good. And look, Eric Rowe is just another guy, but he's been much better in New England than he was in Philly. Sorry, Woot, but it's just the way Bill Belichick does things and, and it works. But I feel like Devin McCourty is just so good that they like their chances there. And, and it means that you can have Logan Ryan up against Sanu because if you're having Malcolm Butler or, or Eric Rowe against Sanu one-on-one, you, you can see that as a bit of a mismatch because Sanu's a bit more physical and a bit of a bigger guy against Butler. Whereas Butler's a lot faster, and I feel like they like their chances of using Butler in the slot against Taylor Gabriel or Tevin Coleman. I feel like that would be their option, their best bet, and just keep bracketing uh, Julio Jones. I feel like that's what that's the attempt they're going to do. But there's been so many great articles written this week about how to stop Julio Jones. Bill Barnwell wrote on it. Uh, uh, Ollie Connolly, a friend of a friend of ours uh, from the UK, wrote a really good piece on how they're going to shut down Julio Jones as well, and it's. Very, very interesting, but uh, it's it's. But do, do you know what I find funny? I find funny that like we're talking about how do we stop Julio when we just we just uh, spoke about the statistics that why are we even trying to shut him down? Because when he plays better, mm. the team loses. Yeah, but <laughs> so. it's it's that's it's just weird because it's like the reason that they are six and zero is because teams are so focused on stopping Julio that you win in up the Falcons are able to win in so many other ways. It, yeah. It's just it is insane, and it's because if you if you've got two of your defenders on Julio, that it's giving you so much advantage in the middle of the field because you you can have your Tevin Coleman's and your Austin Hoopers against Patrick Chung, and you got to like that chance, and that's why I really have this amazing feeling about Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman in this match because I feel like they're just a massive mismatch over the New England linebackers. Dante Hightower is great, but he doesn't have top-notch speed. He's not the quickest linebacker. He's he's more of a physical linebacker than your Bobby Wagner's. I'll tell you who they'd really miss in this game. I feel like Jamie Collins. This game would have been right up his alley in the middle because he's just a freak athletically. But Freeman has caught at least four passes in in five straight games, and Coleman has at least three catches in four straight as well. And in the regular season, the Patriots allowed the second most receptions per game to enemy running backs. So I feel like this is a weak point. I feel like this is a a huge advantage for the Falcons. This is a mismatch. If they are going to bracket Julio Jones, then you you use your two receiving backs. They're, they're really, really good receivers out of the backfield. Mate, there's so many dimensions for both teams that it's confusing. And then part of it... I don't even talk about Matt Ryan either. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, uh, to be honest, do you think do you think they try to establish a ground game first? Yeah, I, I as I said in our prop bet show, I feel like we're talking about like Julio and Tom Brady and, and Matt Ryan. Like well, we haven't even mentioned Matt Ryan, but 
We will, and a lot of the talk's been on the quarterbacks. I feel like the running games are so important because if they do get play action going for Atlanta, it's it's huge because it just allows them to do so much more. Um, it makes Julio more effective. It makes Taylor Gabriel more effective. It, it it's so crucial for them, and that they will want to run it, um, but and, and outside. That's the way to do it against the Pats because up the middle with. Alan Branch and Malcolm Brown, they've, they've played really, really well the last few weeks, but they're more your inside, you know, your your gap pluggers rather than your your outside Definitely. zone guys. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I, that's why I just had this feeling about Tevin Coleman because he's a lot faster, can bounce outside a lot quicker. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just Tevin Coleman is a big X factor for me in this game. So essentially you shut down Coleman, Pats win. Yeah, <laughs> not that you shut down Coleman. I just feel like by shutting down other weapons, I feel like Coleman's the odd man out that hasn't been accounted for, and he's kind of built in the lab as well. He's just so damn fast. You cannot co- account for that speed. It's just, it is crazy. And Matt Ryan is so good at spreading the ball around, and he's been crazy. I know Brady, and, and you know he's in his seventh Super Bowl. It's you know, incredible, but. If you look at the last, you know, three playoff games, Matt Ryan's got a 126-2 passer rating. It's 44 points higher than Brady's 81.8. Like he's playing so he's playing so unbelievably well, but he's so overlooked as the quarterback in this game. He's going to win MVP tomorrow, um, and he's he's got a 133.3 passer rating in his last six games. It's the highest by any Super Bowl starter leading up to the game. So there's no quarterback hotter right now. Than Matt Ryan, although Brady is exceptionally good looking. <laughs> Do you think it's a stupid time to announce the MVP? Yes and no. I feel like at the end of the regular season would be fine before the playoffs start because you just have this stupid debate on whether they should include the playoffs or not, which I just find silly. Like if you're going to base it on regular season, just announce it after the regular season. Yeah, or once the entire season's done. But then yeah. at the same time, then the MVP of the Super Bowl will overshadow the regular season MVP. Yeah. So it's. It's kind of dumb. It's kind of irrelevant at the moment. Like, I feel it's stupid that you might, like, Matt Ryan, 99.9% is going to win this thing. And so he, he gets awarded it. Then a week, you know, not even a week later, if, if Brady wins the MVP of the Super Bowl, no one's going to be talking about that like, terrific uh, season Matt Ryan just had. They're yeah. going to be talking about, you know, Brady winning his fifth ring or whatever. Yeah. So. I think it's. I think straight after the regular season is when it needs to be done, or just a week within a week or something like mm. that. Uh, did you know that the Falcons' offense uh, they had 175 drives during the regular season? They turned the ball over 11 times and they punted 48 times, and they had a total of 59 non-scoring drives. That's just one more than their total offensive touchdowns of 58. So they've actually had more drives result in points than drives that have resulted in punts, which is just insane. And their points per drive is half a point better than whoever finished in second place, which who that's irrelevant because they're not in this game. Like, this offense is just so, so efficient. And I feel like because Matt Ryan is such a vanilla guy that this offense isn't being talked about as one of the greats. I feel like it is one of the great offenses of the modern era, and it's, it's so much better than anything... The Patriots have faced all season long. And I know they just beat Steelers, but, you know, Le'Veon Bell was out for that game, and, and they really shot themselves in the foot a lot. I just don't know if Atlanta will do that in this game, especially in a dome and not in the elements. Yeah, no, I th- 
to be honest, it's, 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 I mean, it's like we've already said, Belichick is going to be this wild card. It's going to be, it's going to come down to how he handles, um, Shanahan and what Shanahan, Shanahan's going to be, you know, in up to his, uh, over his head in this game. He's going to, he's going to have to, you know, pull out all the stops to outsmart Belichick and, you know, um, McDaniels and I always forget the defensive coordinator. P- for Patricia. The Patricia. 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 Thank it's you. It's got a girly name. Because, no, it's, yeah, it's because it's a, a first name as a surname and I always. Untrustworthy. I just, and he's a uh, patriot, man. so it always makes him untrustworthy to begin with. Uh, and you, you know, yeah, I mean, but I, don't you think, don't you think that it's, if, if the Patriots do, you know, a stifle on the, um, Falcons offense for say the first, the first, um, series of the game or something like that. And then they score and then possibly force them to punt again or something like that. Do you, do you see a potential collapse? I, I just can't see it. Uh, I don't know. Matt Ryan's not that type of guy this season to just really just collapse or, or you know, like just die in a heap. It's just a different. It's just a different team. There's a different energy. There's a different feel. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. No one, da- no one expected them to make the playoffs. No one expected them to be here. It just seems like. I don't know. I just feel like that they're gonna at least score thirty points in this game. I, I just. And maybe they, and if they don't, it's because maybe the Patriots' defense is actually really, really good, and it's that's always tough because you don't know they haven't played great quarterbacks, but they have viscerated every other of their easy opponents. They've actually absolutely demolished them, so it's just so hard to really judge. Like if it is that an implosion from the Falcons, I think it's more that Belichick and Patricia have just drawn up a a really insane game plan and that this defense is actually um, as good as the numbers suggest. It's just hard to buy into those numbers when you look that at the whole schedule. Top 10, that whole top 10 quarterback thing is a bit skewed, don't you think? Oh, I mean, don't you they've, think you, they've played like, like Jared at, Goff and, and Landry Jones and Matt No, I'm, I, I'm, I mean, I know that, but then you look at the players, like you compare Dak Prescott to uh, Big Ben, and Big Ben's not on the list. Like, do you... Yeah, it, look, oh, you consider Big Ben a, a top 10 quarterback. I mean, Kirk Cousins is on this list, and this is compiled by, you know, uh, Pro Football Focus. It was their top 10 rated quarterbacks of of the season. If you want to go a different route, um, this was from uh, uh, Roto World. That they didn't face any of the top eight passes in adjusted yards per attempt this year, so they only passed it. They only face really check down quarterbacks, people that aren't throwing the ball deep. So this is... You know, a totally different one. They haven't faced anyone inside the top eight passes in in adjusted yards per attempt. Now they're facing the guy who just put up historic adjusted yards per attempt numbers in Matt Ryan. So it's a a little bit of a shock to the system, but maybe, like, the first quarter is always tough to judge because it could be off to a slow start and a little bit of slog and conservative play calling, but if... If the Falcons do put up points and then and then you see some adjustments from the Patriots, it could really slow down in the second half. Like it just, you're right. Belichick is the wild card. I know we keep saying that, but it is crazy. And one thing we haven't even mentioned as well is that the Patriots, and it sounds simple, they're just so good at tackling. You know, they're the number one defense in the NFL at preventing yards after catch. So you've got your your Coleman's and your Freeman's and your Gabriels that are great at the yak. But this defense is great at stopping the yak, and they're chain movers. You know that's the difference between punting and and you know a first and ten. 
And last last week, if you would have um, compared the passing statistics, I think you would have thought it was the completely other way around. Mm. I think Brady was completing the deep throws, and Matt Ryan was throwing the, you know, the um, shallow slants across the field that Julio was just taking to the house. Yep. But see, Julio is is going to be brought down swiftly if he's doing that kind of thing against the Patriots. The Patriots won't be able to be shrugged off like they were. Um, no, it- yeah. Like Julio was shrugging off his opponents last week, so exactly. it's going to be, it's going to be a completely different team. They're like a a, a well drilled team, and they know that like, yeah. of course, of course, it's not going. It's just completely different approach to what the Falcons have been up against. So that that's why there's so many question marks. That's why it's going to be awesome. It is, and it's going to be fantastic. You mentioned like shrugging off no name corners in in Green Bay. The difference between like. Green Bay's corners and and these two Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler. Logan Ryan's allowed four point seven yards per coverage target per Pro Football Focus, and Butler four point three. So both are really great at you know if they do allow the catch, it's they're not for big for big yardages because they're great at tackling and great at stopping um, that ball moving. So be interesting to see. I, I feel like you know Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung are, are, are going to have huge games. Chung's going to have a tough task, you know, being lined up one on one with a with a Tevin Coleman or an Austin Hooper. But he can have a game. He's a bit of an X factor in this one. But I think we could probably move on to the other side of the ball here and and look at uh, the New England offense against this uh, Falcons defense. And this Falcons defense, you know, since week nine, they're 11th in pass defense DVOA, but they're 32nd in run defense DVOA, and that last part is a huge concern. So you're just expecting Blount to I, I'm a expect, bit of uh, Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like these running backs are going to have a, a bigger say in the game than we think. And we always peg up, peg these games as quarterback v. quarterback, and, and it never comes down to it. Last year it was like you know Manning and Cam Newton and it ended up being Von Miller and, and DeMarcus Ware that were the, the big big sort of names and, and game changers in the game. And... And this game's totally different because we, we don't really have any elite pass rushers. I know Beasley led the league in sacks, but he you know hasn't been quite as effective the last few weeks. And you know, fifteen and a half is pretty low for a league leader. You had you know JJ Watt out, Houston missed time. But I feel like in this matchup, it all comes down to whether the Falcons can get pressure. If they can get pressure on Tom Brady, that's the way to slow this offense down. And if you can slow them down to the point where your offense is good enough to win the game, then I think that's that's what this what it comes down to. If they can get pressure on Brady, slow this offense down enough, then they can win this game because you know that at least the Patriots are going to put up points. If you can try and restrict them the field goals, and you keep scoring touchdowns, then uh, then we'll see. But the the red zone defense of the Falcons is the third worst this century. That's how bad their red zone defense is. It's it's abominable. Yeah, it's not that great. That that's the that's the thing. I feel like it's gonna the the Falcons are going to uh, there's gonna be a lot of focus on them trying to stop Blount and the Patriots getting any resemblance of a ground game going. But focusing too much on that is going to allow the Patriots to you know target Hogan downfield and things like that. And if they can start to get those big gains downfield, it's that's when it might be their undoing. If they have to, you know, if they have to start then adjusting and trying to um, uh, cover like Hogan running down the field on a streak, on a streak or anything like that, then Blount's going to get a roll on, and it's just it's all going to crumble. I mean, 
Pats in the um, red zone are going to find no problem scoring against yeah. uh, the Falcons' defense, and because you just said they're putrid, they're absolutely so, putrid. You need to stop them getting into the red zone. Exactly. So it's not a matter of it, it's right in the middle of the field where the Patriots have have to be stopped, and that that is where Gronkowski uh, missing Gronkowski will hurt the most. Mm. I feel getting. Getting those big uh, first downs, like just throwing it high for Gronkowski down the middle of the field, that is where that came in, you know, great handy. Except that, I mean, just getting the in, getting into the red zone. If Pats are in the red zone, I think they'll have no problem putting it to, in, ensuring that it's seven and not three. Yep. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it, that's that's the weird thing to me. They haven't used Bennett in. Um, the same way they use Gronk. I mean, I know they're not the same player, but they're not even slightly. The the yardage totals always seem to be between 30 and 50 yards for Bennett because he's being used more as a um, pass and run blocker. He's going to have a huge and blocking then, game, I think. Yeah, but essentially they've got kind of very two very similar, three very similar players in Edelman, Hogan, and Amendola. They're all so white. it's just really bizarre. And they're all white and they're all... Smacking. Five foot eight. Maybe, maybe that's why Trump's team. Anyway, so yeah. hey, it makes sense, right? It does. It does. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so like you look at that and you think their team shouldn't be succeeding. This that that is where you just think they won't. So if they can, if the Falcons' defense can stop the ground game and they're forced to. And Brady is forced up the middle. If they pressure, if the Falcons' defense creates pressure up the middle of the offensive line, and then um, stops Brady from, you know, dropping back and then stepping forward into the pocket, they might have real success. Because mm. I mean, getting downfield is just, it's, you know, he's thirty-nine. He has had a much better D throw this year, but again, he's still, still not the thirty-nine. Best. Yep, exactly. It, it, so I don't know. It, it, at the end of the day, if Patriots get to the red zone, it could it could get really ugly. And that this is where special teams comes into it as well. If there's some good um, punt and kick returns that essentially eliminate half the field and Brady only needs to march 50, 50 yards for the next touchdown. Mm, good point. Once, he's, once he gets 25 yards and then he's in the red zone, I have no problem like seeing Patriots just rack up a huge score. And uh, a few things on that. Uh... Firstly, and that's part of the reason they've had success, a lot of success in these games in their easy schedule is they've always had short fields because your Jared Goffs and your Matt Moores are not moving the ball enough. So there are often teams are punting inside their own 20 and the Patriots are starting at like the 40-yard line a lot. That's not going to happen against Atlanta, hopefully. You expect Atlanta to at least pick up a, a fair few first downs, uh, you know, uh, you know, Every drive, you know, they're averaging three points a drive. So the, you're, you're expecting some points or at least some movement anyway, uh, you know, at the lowest point. Uh, how many three and outs, I do not know that we're going to see, but uh, depends on receiver drops and things like that. So making Brady drive sort of 80, 90 yards will, will really help uh, this defense. But what's bad is, you know, we talked about how the Pats are number one at preventing the, the yard after catch. Falcons are the worst team in the NFL at pre- preventing yards after catch. 32nd in the NFL. So when you're the worst defense in preventing yak and third worst red zone defense this century, things are not boding well for you and you feel like Brady could have a field day and then you add in that you're the 32nd team 
in run defense DVOA, it's like there's so many ways that Brady and this offense can win. Yeah, it's when you look at it, you just think how good must the Falcons' offense <laughs> this season have been to carry mm. a defense that is essentially this bad? And that's being this bad at the red zone and that bad at preventing yards after the catch is just incredible. But you just think how how on earth <laughs> did they manage to score enough points to overcome all that? But you know, it, like we've it... said, their offense is killing it. Since their loss to Kansas City, they're averaging 39 points a game. They've eclipsed 40 points in three of their last six games. So that's crazy. Which is phenomenal. I know. It's just unbelievable. Absolutely (laughs) phenomenal. It's extraordinary. I keep bringing, I've mentioned the 2009 Colts. I said not to bring it up, but maybe that's why I like the Falcons a lot, you know, and I resonate with them is because the 2009 Colts were built very similarly. Very bad defense, but just scored enough points to win. And that's why that 2009 game between the Saints and the Colts reminds me very much of this game in, in, in what we're going to see. But I feel like if you're going to have success against the Patriots' defense, you need to not blitz. Um, we know you don't blitz Tom Brady. He's actually got a higher passer rating this season against the blitz um, than opposed to not blitzing. So blitzing, he's had 131.4 passer rating. And then when you only rush three or four, 104 passer rating. So I feel like if the Falcons really want to find success, you, you rush three players and drop eight into coverage. I feel like that's the best way. And you have one of those eights, eight guys that you drop back sort of lurking in the middle there to, to sort of stop the crossing patterns and the slants and 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 disrupt your Edelmans and your Hogans in their, in their route uh, early on because that's the way to do it. But w- whether you can find success rushing three guys against this rejuvenated offensive line of of the uh, Patriots and the Patriots offensive core and offensive line coach has been a name that's popped up uh, a lot this week he's he's done a hell of a job uh, he's kind of been like an MVP for them Dante Scarnecki sounds like a, a villain of a you know an 80s movie but uh, <laughs> it's you know it's crazy and and Denver had success last year in the AFC championship game dropping you know rushing three and dropping eight into coverage that's because they had a key to leave Chris Harris and you know Bradley Roby as their as their three as part of their secondary and their eight, and they had Von Miller and Demarcus Ware as part of their three that were rushing. You don't really have that same quality of your three dropping and your eight, uh, your three rushing and your eight dropping into coverage. So you, your personnel is nowhere near as good as Denver's. So it makes it tough. But the three that you're, you're rushing, uh, you, Dwight Freeney, Vic Beasley, and then I think Grady Jarrett is a guy to keep. He's a he's an X factor for me. He's been superb, uh, extremely underrated player. I do not know how he lasted to the fifth round. That's a, uh, a story in, it, in and of itself. But what he did to Don Barclay in the NFC Championship game was embarrassing. He he threw him around like a rag doll. And Joe Thurney did not have a good game against Pittsburgh. So I can really see Jarrett being a really crucial game, uh, game changer for Atlanta. And I think he is the most important defensive player uh, even more so than Beasley, I think, because you think Marcus Cannon will probably neutralize Beasley. Marcus Cannon's been great, but I think Jarrett, if he can eat double teams and, and really slow down the run and and make the Pats one-dimensional a little bit, uh, they're, they're a chance. And he's a guy that can generate some you know, inside pass rush and hopefully collapse that pocket, and, and that's when Brady really struggles. So, okay, just flipping to the uh, Patriots side for a second. Yep. Do you remember? I'm not, like, 
this is uh this might test you or you might just know exactly what i'm talking about there was a few weeks ago when uh, belichick rushed three players yes do you remember it was a while and i can't remember it, who was it again i think it was against seattle actually there you go and it just didn't work did it no different style of quarterback though russell wilson's so mobile and flashes so much out of the pocket where brady isn't as mobile so it different style of offense but maybe it is rushing four not three but i feel like with the amount of weapons and and these guys in the underneath passing game you need to you need a lot more in coverage i just don't want them to blitz but dan quinn's been so aggressive the last few weeks blitzing he's been crazy he's like, like if you look at their last their playoff games they've blitzed 36 percent in the playoffs it would have ranked fifth in the regular season like yeah, it was I mean, like kind of like Rex. You, you cannot do that with the Falcons personnel and expect to win um, against Tom Brady. It's not going to work. You need to uh, force them. It sounds crazy, but you need to force them to actually throw the ball because if they run on your thirty-second ranked run defense and control the clock, keep your offense off the field, that's that's going to be a key to success. It's kind of like what your Philly boys did to Atlanta. Like Atlanta were barely on the field in that game. They racked up, uh, Philly racked up like 200 yards on the ground, was it? Uh, mate, you're asking, you're asking the wrong person. I go for Philly anymore. Nah. <laughs> they, that was, yeah, it was definitely the highlight of my season. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but they, yeah, they, Atlanta just didn't seem to be on the field. The, the pass, the pass rush and everything was on fire for Philly mm-hmm. that day. I think it was just, I think it was, uh, a little bit, a little bit of a mix. A good, it was a good game from Philly, just an off game from the Falcons, maybe yeah. taking the Eagles too easily. But I mean, Julio, yeah, they, they Julio definitely... had a rare drop in the in the closing stages that could have put them, that could have given that yeah, right. in field goal range to win the game. But still, it was it was a game plan that 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 worked somewhat. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, are we are we moving on the Patriots? I got one last thing to say here. I, I mentioned stopping the run and how important Grady Jarrett is. This this is a phenomenal Brady stat. He's 141 and 32 when he throws less than 39 passes, but the Pats of yep. Brady is 42 and 21 when he has to throw it 40 plus times. Huh. Very interesting. When he's required to throw the ball more and 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 play more, they're not as successful. I I I found that stat fascinating. Why? It's just, it's just, I don't know. I just, I, I always just presume. To me, that makes 100% perfect sense. It does, because a lot of that, I guess, is if you're throwing 40 plus times, you're probably down a lot. But I wonder how many times there are, like, if you break down that 42 and 21 into close games. But I feel, I just feel like if you, if you hear Brady throw it 40, it's Tom Brady. You think if he throws it a lot of the time, you're going to have success because he's so good. But it's not as yeah. successful as when they have this balanced, attack and the running game and everything works a lot better. So I feel like it sounds insane to say, all right, stop the run and force Brady to throw. It might actually give you a better chance to win. But the numbers kind of prove that point. But I don't know. Edelman against, like, Brian Poole scares the hell out of me as well. Like, he averages 8.95 yards per coverage, which is well above the league average of 7.6. So that's, that's a huge mismatch. But, you know, Brian, a.k.a. Deadpool... Um, he, he might live up to the occasion, but I doubt it. I, to be honest, I think Edelman might have a day. Mm. Might have a might have, have a real day. It it always comes down to you. Do you think that Brady might start targeting someone else, or you might get a, a new favorite target? But it always seems to just come back to Julian. Yep. All right, let let's. He's, 
Yeah, they truly yeah. think. They are. They're, uh, you know, Edelman wants to be Tom Brady, so, you know, you know that they've got that love for each other. Uh, <laughs> most important matchups. I know we've mentioned a lot already, but uh, what what do you see on, you know, on both sides of the ball and, and both, diff- you know, two matchups that you think are, are really important? Um, I really do think um, just the interior line of the Patriots. I think if that can hold, if the, um, you know, the blitzing or the defensive front of the Falcons, if they can get some pressure up the middle or just generally anywhere, but more specifically up the middle of the Patriots offensive line, they can have some success. But if the Patriots offensive line handles, uh, you know, what they're delivering, what they're, what they're serving up, Brady with time is just a nightmare. Eventually these, eventually these Hogan's, Amendola's, Edelman's, they're, they're, Quick, short, speedy, fast wide receivers are just—they're yep. impossible to cover for that length of time. So that is huge for me. I mean, obviously Julio is, but at the same time, I—it's to me—it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see how they handle just how they handle the Falcons' running game early on. I just want to see if they come out and just—they try to just completely shut it down and go, hey try to throw it deep against us or something like that. Mm. Or it, it, it's really interesting because if they can come in early and just shut down this run that the, the Falcons are hoping to get early, who knows? Who knows? It might just completely rattle them and they just think, oh, crap, we're already a touchdown down and it doesn't look like we're going to get near the red zone again. And who, who knows? Yep. So... I, I dig it. Yeah. I I keep going back to Beasley versus Cannon. Uh, I think Cannon has the edge. Um, he's been great. And, you know, compared to last year, he was an absolute liability in the AFC Championship game. But if Beasley can actually get pressure and and beat Cannon, because I, I actually think Grady Jarrett has a huge advantage over Joe Thurney that they're going to require double teams um, on, on Jarrett, and it might help, you know, Hageman and Upshaw have been a lot better. Um, still not great names, and not, they don't strike any fear into you, but... If Beasley can actually get the better of Cannon in some instances, it can really create trouble. Uh, I think that's a key matchup. You mentioned Julio, obviously, but I do want to see how the Patriots linebackers and possibly Patrick Chung handle these Falcons running backs in the receiving game. I, I still think the the running backs receiving game is going to be huge um, because you've got to try and find that balance of, you know, do we cover Julio or do we leave ourselves open somewhere else? So they're the two important matchups for me. Um, I'll start us off with X-Factors. I've mentioned the, the running backs. Uh, Tevin Coleman, for me, is a huge X-Factor in this game for the Falcons and Grady, Grady Jarrett, who I've just raved about. Uh, those two guys, are. I think these two guys need to have the games of their lives for the Falcons to really win. Whereas for the Patriots, I feel like if everyone just does their job at an adequate level under Bill Belichick, they'll get the job done. But I feel like an X-Factor for the, for the uh, Patriots is James Devlin, the fullback. I feel like if they do the power running game with LeGarrette Blount, you put James Devlin in there to neutralize your Dion Jones, your fast linebacker, and, and your hard-hitting safety in Keanu Neal. You could probably get six, seven yards of carry out of LeGarrette Blount if if their offensive line is is rolling. I feel like Devlin could have a, a big role in the blocking game, and and, and Martellus Bennett as well. And and I mentioned before the coverage of the running backs, Patrick Chung. I feel like it's an X factor in this game. You know, you, the range of outcomes with Chung is very inconsistent. He could have a a really good game, or he could be an absolute liability. So they're my uh, sort of four X factors for this game. Ooh. Ooh. Jeez. We're kind of merging these most important matchups and X factors, aren't we? Yep. 
Oh, you can. I uh, I feel like some of the matchups, you know, you might see a matchup as a mismatch, but if you know you think someone is perceived as an underdog, might actually have a big game. I think that's your uh, your X factor. Your X factor. Jeez, <laughs> uh, you can't say either quarterback is an X factor because that's just no. ridiculous. Um, so dumb. <laughs> You know what, that though? is correct. Essentially, the X Factor itself could be Bill Belichick. It could be the fact that he... Um, it's not insane. Decide... It's, it is insane because it's Bill, Ch- Bill Belichick. But at the same time, we don't know that... You know, We saw last week a flea flicker and just silly things like that. You thought that he doesn't do in the Super Bowl. He usually does it in a game like the AFC um, Championship game and things like that. But it might, it might be that he's just keeping a certain game plan up his sleeve that we're just not expecting. Maybe, maybe he comes out and it's just absolutely the complete Dion Lewis show, and he doesn't use Legarrette Blount whatsoever. There has been games like that where we're, ex- especially for fantasy purposes, where we've been burnt really badly. And we've brought someone in like Dion Lewis, and then they've just decided, you know what, we're not even going to throw it to a running back. We're just going to keep giving it to Blount. He's going to run it up the guts all day. That you can see that kind of thing happening, except with maybe a James White or you know just someone like that, or they're just going to completely unleash Bennett in the passing game, just something like that, which you can see happening. And then the defense is just completely off, uh, you know, put off by it because they haven't been game planning for it. So that that's the kind of thing that Belichick's known for. He he essentially is the X factor. If um, not just him, because McDaniel's calls so many players on offense, but you know if if that hot if that that trio of Brady, Belichick, and McDaniel's is in sync and like ready to go, of course they're the X factor. They're completely head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to like execution of a game plan. That is correct. I feel like you said Chill Bellaback before. Chill Bellaback? Yeah, which would be a hell of a nickname. (laughs) That would be an awesome alias. Chill Bellaback, when you check into a hotel. Chill Bellaback. By the way, did you see... uh, Did you watch Guillermo from uh, Jimmy Kimmel's uh, little segment at Media Night? No. He kept asking Bill Belichick to smile, and it was weirdly disturbing. Um, Because he actually (laughs) did smile a bit, and it was just... It's just... It was, it's really weird to see him smile, I don't, I don't, like forced smile. Like you, you can see a natural laugh; it, it's kind of cute. But I don't know. Uh, it was it was very very strange. You mentioned Dion Lewis. Do you know he's never lost as a Patriot when he's played? Yeah, I saw that. That's insane. I did see that. There's so many That's insane amazing. numbers in this game. God, wouldn't that just then he just, just retire? Yeah. So <laughs> something's something's going to come to an end here. Like Dion Lewis is either going to have his first loss as a Patriot or. Um, when you have the sack leader in the Super Bowl. It's only happened three times, but each time the sack leader's been in the Super Bowl, their team has won. So Vic Beasley's the sack leader, but will they win? So something's going to come to an end either way from those two. So wow. Think, so um, that is that is uh, weirdly interesting. And then as well, like the number one seed hasn't won since 2003. Like the, the best, sorry, not the number one seed, the best record in the NFL. Um, hasn't won since 2003, which was oddly the Patriots, who also went 14 and two. So that's that's bizarre. something that's bizarre as well. So that's always interesting. But uh, before we give our bold predictions, score predictions, and Super Bowl MVP, we've got to talk some worst case scenarios. 
Uh, we're not talking getting hammered or being a blowout because we can see it either way with these offenses. Especially if you see like a, a special teams, like a block punt or like a stupid fumble or something like that. And it, you can, in, in no time, like if you score first and then you somehow get a, a lucky turnover, you're up 14-0. The game could be over very, very quickly with these two offenses. So, <laughs> But let's talk worst-case scenarios here. And I know you're going to have a counter-argument to my New England one, but mine is, you know, the Falcons get out to an early lead. Brady stinks up the joint, and he's bad. He's really bad. Um, and, you know, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, his career postseason pass rating is only around 80. So, you know, it's not that great. But, you know, comes in and, you know, Garoppolo comes in after Brady gets injured, right? And then he plays lights out and just leads an impressive, <laughs> large comeback win. And then suddenly, the offseason, is some talks about what's going to happen at the quarterback position yet again. That's my worst-case scenario, even though they win. It's a bad scenario. It's a bad winning scenario for New England. But you think it Jeez. could be the other way around if Garoppolo stinks. I mean, if, okay, yeah, so we're talking, so say they say they lose and Brady gets injured and Garoppolo comes in, stinks up the place. Then you've got a Brady who doesn't want to retire and go out as a Super Bowl loser. And then you've got Garoppolo who's just hurt his trade value. So if that was to happen, that would be... Awful. I think the worst case scenario um, for the Patriots in the Super Bowl would be for Marcus Cannon to be hurt or there to be an injury on the offensive line because they don't exactly. It takes them generally a few games in the regular season to start gelling again and to adjust and things like that. I don't think they'll have, you know, the cohesion to finish off the rest of the Super Bowl, um, keeping Tom Brady upright enough or just in the pocket. Um, protected enough for these um, wide receivers to find space and to be successful. So I think if if they do find success up the middle of the offensive line, that they they might have um, a chance against this Patriots team. Mm. Uh, my worst case scenario for Atlanta is just we see Matt Sharp throw a pass in this game, which just would be dreadful on the main stage. God, I reckon it's bad enough even seeing him warm up. Like, might... If you just see him throw a ball, you'd just be like, nah, get face. the hell off the is there, screen. Is there an NFL player that looks more like a potato? Ah, good question. Who is a potato-looking fella? I don't know. We'll put it on a poll. Um, and see what people <laughs> suggest. But yeah, that would suck the life out of the Luna Bowl crowd if we see end the crowd in NRG Stadium if Matt Sharp has to be brought in. But imagine if he actually came in and like won. That would be even more that no that won't happen. That's insane. Alright, um <laughs> uh, what's your worst case scenario for Atlanta? Worst case scenario for Atlanta is that Patriots get out to somewhat of an early early lead or they've they figure out how to um put Ryan off or they've slowed down the run game or something. Something just to throw them off early and to get out to an early lead and then for Kyle Shanahan to be exposed or his game plan to become too one-dimensional and they can, the Patriots defense can, defense can kind of project and understand what they're going to do with each play, which ha- has become, um, you know, that, that does happen from time to time when a, a defense will just kind of just, just figure you out. You just know yep. that if this player is in the backfield, it's going to be a passing play and just things like that. So if it gets too one-dimensional and they can predict 
you know, what's going to happen. It, it might turn out really badly. Especially it might really turn, it turn <laughs> really badly for Shanahan considering he's leaving. Yep. So yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if, if Shanahan is forced to make an adjustment or forced to change his game plan, which, you know, is a very, uh, that's a strong possibility. Cause I mean, the Patriots you know, are the Patriots. So if they get, if they get 10 points in front, it could. It, it'll be really interesting to see how Kyle Shanahan handles that, or or even if it's not him, just to see how Matt Ryan handles it. Mm. Uh, I f- I feel like Matt Ryan's handled any questions about his postseason performance. Not that there should have been any anyway. When you really look at his numbers, they were they were fine. Not yeah. I I'm not questioning his no, postseason no, performance. I'm no, just questioning yeah. how he would Talking handle generally, a situation yeah. like that. You're you're being you've been fine with that. I haven't even mentioned like. Like a worst case scenario is a, is the officiating. Like if something goes wrong with a really bad officiating call because it's a big game. Like, do you see the the officiating? You know, be a little bit more reluctant to throw flags because they don't want to. They don't want to throw flags in a big occasion. They're scared to make decisions. Maybe they have that let them play mentality, and that kind of favors like New England if they if they can be a really physical against Julio Jones and and grabby and all that sort of stuff. That might actually help them because that they might just force these officials to make a call. Like they could say, ball's in your court, you make the call, you dull, dull the game down because they may be scared to throw, you know, flags. They don't want to throw too many flags in the in the biggest game, you know, on television, in the, in the world, really. Do you <sighs> see that as a factor or not? It could work the other way. It could help, it could help Atlanta. I just feel like Belichick's really smart with the officiating. Like he he'll hold on every play until the officiating calls it and say, like you're not going to call us every single play. Of course, and I he's always but I push the boundaries of the rules, and that's fine. That's you know, and he wins, he gets results. Exactly, and when it comes to a player like Julio, who is such a big guy, sometimes it doesn't look like mm. he's coming off second best. As opposed to Edelman, especially offensive passing interference, smaller guys, he doesn't get nearly as many OPI Exactly, calls. and I mean, there was there's already been the, the play this season where uh, Julio was hard done by in the uh, in the red zone, and, you know. Yeah, against Seattle as well, late. Yep. Exactly, and that's that's just been, you know, we've spoken about that time and time again how yep. that could have just influenced the game completely. But exactly, so they they might that Chung is. Chung's a tiny player, but he is, you know, he's a solid hitter. And McCordy isn't, he's slight framed, but he's still a hard hitter. But there's just, they're nothing compared to the size of um, Julio. Julio is a, he's just a complete freak of nature. So even if his, uh, you know, shoulder pads are hanging out, sometimes they just look at him and they just, they don't think, mm. they don't think he is the one on the, on the, on the wrong end of a, um, a holding call or anything like that. So, like you said, I think Belichick will will definitely try to uh, stretch the limits, if you like, yep. before penalties start to get caught and things like that. But then again, it's, it's a smart who knows? Him, yeah, who knows? Then again, his players might milk it, or not milk it, but more, uh, you know, just just they're, they're trained in a certain way to run certain rounds that they're going to be they're going to be horse collared or pull yep. back and things like that. So. We'll have to just wait and see. All right, it is time to go bold or go home, Woot. It's time for our uh, bold predictions. What is your bold prediction? It's a bold strategy, well, Cotton. I was going, 
going through these and I don't, it, to be honest, I'm sure there's better ones. I'm sure there's ones that I prefer more, but it had to be Chris Hogan. He's been my my one shining light this season. Dang my old, prediction kind of... essentially that he was going to have a terrific season and he, and he has. He's just kept going strength to strength. Yep. A bold prediction is that Chris Hogan will have two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, including the game winner. Ooh, so one of those saucy. will win the game, which will be... God, wouldn't that be great? I'd, I'd have an express Super Bowl winning Chris Hogan jersey sent to me. I think that's a, a wise investment if that does happen. Uh, my bold prediction... So bold strategy, Cotton. ...is that there'll be a turnover on special teams in favour of the Patriots, and I think that'll swing the game. I feel like that'll be what swings the game. Always in these games, it's a weird, like, moment that changes the game. The Malcolm Butler interception, the James Harrison fumble recovery. There's always something that swings these games, and I feel like that'll be it. And I uh, I think a turnover on special teams will favour the Patriots. I feel like that's going to happen. I was watching the Malcolm Butler interception again today. Just the run whole it in. Little, you had so much time. The, the whole little do your job thing. And I just, I know, aside from the whole um, call, the, the whole play call and everything like that, such just determination oh, and crazy. the way that game finished was just absolutely insane. Like, you, it was just such a crazy, crazy thing. You said that you still would throw it. Do you still stand by that, watching it again and seeing that they had 23 <laughs> seconds and a timeout? Like, you have time to run it. Of of course, in hindsight, it's beautiful. Yeah. But I still, like, I, to be honest, it wasn't so much that's what I would have done. That's what I thought they were going to do. Mm. I thought they were going to throw it. I was a, I was really thinking they're going to try to um, do a quick pass here and then, like if it's if it's not going to if it's not going in the red zone, just drop like they were gonna drop it or you know leave it as an incomplete kind of yeah. thing or something like that. So the t- the clock would stop and yeah. that kind of thing. That's what I kind of saw them doing. But um, geez, Butler just wanted that ball. It was great. It was That's it was a hell of a play. The, the the Seahawks at that point after just um, after Curse just pulling off something ridiculous. You could they you, just watching them. They almost look entitled, like they feel like they're going to get the points no matter what. Mm. And it's it was just like it was never over. It was just never over, which was incredible. And I mean Sherman, who is a very stern looking guy, who always just kind of tries to play the badass. His face when that happens is just hilarious. It just looks <laughs> like utter just disbelief of what's happened, which is mm. yeah. Obviously, Brady does his stupid, giddy jumping thing. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so weird. All right. But then so, again, what else, what else do you do nah, in that exactly. situation? Like, I mean, Roger Federer did the weird jumpy thingy in, the, in that incredible yeah. tennis game. That was amazing. But that was what an anticlimactic finish that was with the Hawkeye. But anyway, back to this game. Uh, will we see <laughs> Brady jumping like a little girl again? What's your final score prediction for this game? We've an- analyzed anything, any last thoughts, and then a score prediction. Before we wrap this uh, bad boy up in a in a neat little bow, I have New England thirty, Atlanta twenty eight. Um, to be honest, I just think it's going to be right around that fifty eight mark. So I've just gone with this score line, just essentially based right on that line. It would not shock me if Atlanta's defense um, plays far better than what they're expected to. I think. 
they're they're viewed as a complete pushover for this Patriots offense. I think people is just looking at it like we just went through all those statistics before, just thinking how are they even how do they even stop any anything? It's it it looks it looks absolutely ridiculous. The numbers it just looks like it's all offense, and that if you stop the offense on one drive, then you might win because there's no defense on the other side of the ball to stop the Patriots. Yeah. But it's it just, mate, it is it's actually crazy how bad they are in numbers. But then I feel like in the Super Bowl, Vic Beasley might have some success. There, there might just be a little. I mean, it is the Super Bowl. You turn up to play, so. Even Dwight I think, Freeney I think, is there. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the score is, you know, in the in the forties. Like just the Colts and the Saints when their their line was, you know, fifty six or whatever it was. Didn't didn't the line and didn't the final total end up being like 40, 42, 46, something like that? Yeah, it was it was much uh, much lower than that. I'm just trying to find. I can't remember the final score because the Colts lost and I didn't want to hear it. Thirty-one to seventeen. So yeah, wasn't as many points from the Colts as many expected. So you know, still you know, still close to the fifty mark, but not quite. It was a touchdown below what what was the expected game total. So <sighs> there we go. Uh, what what do you reckon? Tell me. Uh, I'm going. I agree with you. I, f- I feel like New England will score thirty points. I think that's a given. I feel like New England will score 30 points in this game. The, the question is whether Atlanta can as well, and they've done it consistently, and I hate saying will they or won't they score 30 points because they're averaging 39 over their last like six games, which is just crazy. But I, I'm i going with Atlanta 34, New England 35. I feel like New England will win this game. So that say, would be an amazing game. Yeah, I think that's... That's the game. I feel like it's the total's going to go over. I feel like both these teams can score at will. And I feel like it might come down to a, a field goal again. And in true Patriots fashion, winning Super Bowls on the back of a, of a field goal. Um, and that's, that's the way I see it going. Uh, I feel like there will be plenty of points. So I think 35-34. My heart is rooting for Atlanta. I'd love to see Dwight Freeney go out with another ring. Uh, he's a champion guy and... I loved his comments this week that, you know, what has he got to do to see anyone but the Patriots? Like he said, man, haven't I seen them enough? AFC Championship <laughs> games, divisional games, like, come on. Like, give me someone else. Uh, and I kind of feel that as well. And it, it, it's kind of weird complaining about it because when, you know, Belichick retires and, and Brady retires, this team won't be anywhere near as good. They still might be fine, but, you know, we, we might not have... You, you kind of miss what you have in, in, in watching a, a really successful team and go at it. So it is yeah. it is interesting, the interesting parallels here between sort of New England when they first got in the Super Bowl and took on a powerhouse like the Rams is Atlanta finally getting into the Super Bowl, you know, for the second time and taking on a powerhouse in New England. But I feel like, uh, you know, an upset wouldn't surprise me, but I feel like uh, New England will win. And I, I've got my Super Bowl MVP as Tom Brady, and I assume you probably go down the same avenue. Yeah, I... I don't see anyone else on the Patriots winning it unless there is, you know, some some miraculous two interception, pick six, something like that. You know, I don't know. Yep. So judging on our tips, you know, 30 to 28, 35 to 34, our tips at the money line are the Patriots straight up. They are against the spread picks. We like the, the Falcons plus three. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, yeah. Very interesting, uh, and we both kind of hover around the over. I know you're hitting 58 dead on, 
Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to put money on that exactly. That would be crazy odds. But if, if you agree with Woot, give it a go. Give it a twirl. Uh, I like the over as well. So I think that's our... Uh, that's it. I think that's our as deep as we can go in this game. Um, we covered everything. We even talked about the cause, one of the great uh, bands that uses violins. Um, you know what else? What more do you want from us? Um, well, if you want any more from us and you have a Luna Bowl ticket, come chat. Definitely come chat. Yep. Because we're we're we we can't wait to see everyone down there, especially you know. If you if you bought tickets early and you, you got in early and you weren't like the twenty people that called today, seeing if there was any tickets available, mate, it's gonna it's gonna be a complete riot down there. So yeah, okay. If you listen to the show, uh, please come and say hello to us. Um, you know, it'd be it would be awesome to meet some people that listen to the show. Um, it it, it would be fun. So, you know, give us a holler and uh, you know, I'll say buy us a beer, but they're free. So just grab us a beer. Um, you know, our commentary might get a bit more loose towards the uh, end of the game. We're not commenting play by play, but you know, during some stoppages in the game, quarter time, uh, the, the host will will go to us for, a, for you know with a quick question or two. So uh, hopefully uh, we can help out in that department. And uh, yeah, we look forward to our first ever Lunar Bowl experience, and I look forward to a high scoring uh, Super Bowl. So uh, that's it for the show. And uh, you know, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at jynfl. Follow me at Woot, etc. You can follow the show at Woot and Why. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, and Radio Hub. We'll be back on Tuesday after the Super Bowl to recap before we take a little bit of holiday. It would be so nice. Holiday. Peace out. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Love you.